0: Uh, to all our listeners, welcome to another episode of the CBT Podcast. I'm your host, Shiko, and we have a very interesting uh, topic for this week. Uh, but before I get right into it, I have my colleagues, my participants, and you let them know, or rather they let themselves, they introduce themselves, and then we can get right into our topic.
1: Oh, yes, please glad to be yeah. here today. My yeah. name is uh, Alex Okechimose, mm-hmm. a psychologist at CBT Kenya. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to interact with you through this podcast again mm-hmm. as we keep creating an awareness about uh, eating disorders. Yeah, Welcome Alex. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Hello everyone. I'm Margaret Njau, one of the psychologists or another psychologist from CBT Kenya. It's good to join you once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so those are two psychologists, and we have a guest, uh, a new guest with us. She'll introduce herself.
3: Hello everyone, my name is Miriam. I'm an intern here at CBT Kenya, and I'm happy to join you guys today.
0: Welcome Miriam. So it's National Eating Disorders Discorder, uh, Awareness Week. So if you listen to our last episode, it was an introduction to the eating disorders, what they are. We did a bit of a background, a history part of it. And yeah, so this week, it's more of an awareness part. But before we get into the awareness, uh, maybe what are the common disorders that we have? Well,
1: thank you so much, Shiko. Actually, there are a number of uh, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. uh, but we can maybe find some time to discuss just a little of the common ones. The most common of those eating disorder is uh, anorexia nervosa. There's also another one that's called uh, bulimia nervosa. Yeah. There's also binge eating. Binge eating. Uh, There's also another one that is called uh, pica. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's also another one that is called uh, non-nutritive be- eating behaviors and the last one that i know is uh, the one that called rumination disorder some, o- some other may sound really very uncommon to our audience but we can discuss the ones that are very common like the anorexia nervosa it's an eating disorder that is very common and the key symptoms for this disorder one you will find people have a very intense fear of uh, adding weight. So when someone has an intense fear of adding weight, they will be exhibiting some behaviors such as either starving themselves, they can as well be having some compensatory behaviors, like either completely they don't want to eat, or they are engaging themselves in excessive exercises just to burn the extra calories from their bodies. These people, also at some point, you will find that they are really preoccupied with the image of their body size, they're worried of their weight, and even what makes it hilarious to me at some point is that someone who is abnormally underweight, still is being worried about <laughs> their weight. Still, they want to lose their weight. They
0: still want to lose you know, weight, yeah.
1: At some point, actually, it's not what they see, that they have a heavy body. No, 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 it is what in their mind. They feel that, no, you know, they have to lose it, despite the fact that they are still abnormally what? Underweight. So, you get that they're really affected. They may starve themselves. They may engage themselves in um, uh, excessive exercises. And even to some point, they can even vomit, we call it a purging behavior. They vomit the extra food, so they avoid uh, more calories in their body that may result to add of weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah? There are more other uh, eating disorders, maybe my colleague as well can speak about one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, but be- before she, she, she tackles that disorder, um, so for people who are, who are stressed, the people who overeat, the people who don't eat. For example, like me, when I'm stressed, I can't eat. So you can imagine being stressed, does that make me, will that, will I be vulnerable to an eating disorder?
1: Uh, To respond to that, I can say, stress (coughs) out of research has been said to be a risk factor for the development of eating disorders. However, you know, we also look the pattern of those eating tendencies. Mm-hmm. If it's just something that has happened once when you're under stress, we can't really conclude and say that is not an eating disorder. But if that pattern has been observed, you know, persistently for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. and of course in addition to other observations, it's when someone now can make <coughs> a claim that uh, probably it could be an eating disorder yeah so for that one it's a normal point when you're stressed you know stress induces some chemical changes in your brain that you may reduce appetite you see mm-hmm. that you may reduce your motivation so those are changes are normal not really uh, the basis of eating. it so. okay. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mother you've really
2: answered my question okay. <laughs> Okay, maybe just to add on uh, another um, eating disorder, and yeah, what Shiko you're saying is very important uh, and I also like the response that Alex has given, there is a criterion to diagnosing these eating disorders. Remember the eating disorders are classified under uh, mental illnesses, so they still qualify to be mental health disorders. And uh, the tool as clinicians that we use to make such diagnosis is called a DSM, a Diagnostic uh, uh, Manual, Statistical Manual. And the reason why it's statistical is because there's a certain number of symptoms that you have to meet uh, to be able to formulate the diagnosis. So just like depression and all these other disorders, y- you could have the feelings, There could be you could be exhibiting behavior, but does it qualify to be clinical? Yeah. yeah. because definitely sometimes either we are stressed, sometimes it's even positive stress. I'm trying to assume like when somebody's getting married the next day, mm-hmm. mm, or flying out for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, your appetite will not be the best. It but it's not like that it's abnormal or anything, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. So some behaviors make sense given the context. But now if they persist, and that's why it's a disorder. Is there is a mm. negative functioning mm. because of this pattern. So the negative part is the disorder now? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like he talked of purging, he talks of the weight, the purging now is forcing yourself yeah. to get rid of that food, mm-hmm. right? Ideally we eat because of the nutritional value. Mm-hmm. So you're eating and then you're getting rid of that food or getting it out. Mm-hmm. You see that it doesn't meet the nutritional aspect. Yeah. Uh, then also what Alex was saying. You uh, have a low body weight, and you still feel you, and you still have a concern with your weight, which has a health effect a medical health effect, mm-hmm. yeah because then you can start suffering other medical conditions which now become what we call comorbidities so then that sometimes complicates managing these disorders uh, having said that, I think the one I would want to add is um bulimia nervosa. Uh, which is also uh an eating uh, an eating pattern that would be considerable abnormal abnormal in the sense of uh it doesn't mean so- soci- it doesn't meet social norms mm-hmm. yeah so that the person eats a distinct amount of food uh for a certain at a certain amount at a certain time period than uh, an average person would. Mm-hmm. So we could go to a party and serve, and serve food, assuming it's a buffet. Yeah. So either the serving would be very high than for an average person or the amount of food they would have indulged in. Yeah. So they kind of, bulimia, nervosa, and uh, binge eating have a lot in common because even in bulimia, is that distinct large portion of food yeah but the difference now would be the what they term is compensatory behaviors because i know i have eaten a large amount of food one i'm very uncomfortable because the digestive system and all that so there's that discomfort and wanting to get rid of it some people may do now the purging again you know force the vomit Uh, others now might you know engage in um what we'd call obsessive compulsive behaviors to compensate for the overindulgence. Mm-hmm. So you are saying some will purge, others might diet. I don't know whether you've met people who have very strict diet. Yeah. So those diets are for a period. Yeah. And now they go on another binge. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, others might even take medications, you know, those laxatives, mm-hmm. uh, to try and still manage yeah their appetites but the pattern still catches up with them, Well, they'll eat a large amount and now get now into another uh, uh, period of trying to compensate for that amount. Uh, but with binge eating, uh, mostly there's no purging, yeah? or there's no purging to be able to make the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guilt uh, around the portion the person is eating and such like behaviors. So I think maybe that's the match I would say for now on the on the bulimia. So bulimia, nervosa and the binge eating. Um, maybe what we can look at in future, even after the episodes, mm-hmm. is uh, what causes you know these things in deep. In deep, because oh, okay. there's no one factor causes all these things. Okay, yeah. Sometimes it's our genetics, you know. Uh, I don't necessarily genetics towards eating. Yeah. It could be even genetic, uh, our genetics to other uh, either obsessive behaviors Mm -hmm. or even uh, uh, mood disorders. Either there is mania or there could be depression, a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. around eating, uh, especially with uh, the anorexia. Mm. There is a lot of that, but in all of them there is a cause. There's genetics, there's also environment. Mm -hmm. The environments are very linked Mm -hmm. to eating either large portions or or eating small portions. You know that if you visit those people, Mm -hmm. you know you're going to starve, you know, (laughs) because of the kind of portions they serve. Yeah. But that is it on me, on the eating, some of the eating disorders. Mm -hmm.
0: And actually we have these topics on our blogs. We have anorexia, we have binge eating, we have bulimia, but (coughs) <coughs> What's wrong with binge eating? Binge eating, I think it's mm-hmm. when you're watching a favorite show, if I'm not wrong, correct me, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Binge eating. Mm. It's when you're enjoying your food, while you're watching something nice, something...
2: Uh, on the binge, as mm-hmm. I was saying, mm-hmm. it is similar to bulimia. It's eating uncontrollably large portions of food. Binging, as you can see, it's so much, indulging in something mm-hmm. uh, uh, intensely. That's why you'd say like binge watching. Yes, yeah, You decide watching. to watch yeah. like a series, What's you're not even taking a now? break. No. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So if you're saying it's uncontrollable, the person is not able to stop. Remember they're indulging, they're stuffing food yeah. into their system. Uh-huh. So there's no time for, there's no break, you know, sometimes to even allow the, How much food can the body process or digest that you know, uh, at a certain time period, mm-hmm. you know, and also for even the body to mm. you make use of, of, of that, yeah. of the food, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, so it's that, and that's why I say there's a criterion. Yeah. So we, at the end of the day we are telling our listeners that they need professional assessment to be able to draw conclusions, whether their eating patterns are healthy and unhealthy towards even becoming disorders,
1: mm-hmm. yes. Uh, just to sort of add on that point, mm. the, binge, the binge behaviors, mm-hmm. either which could be binge eating, yeah. binge watching, watching. binge, that, that was driving, like a binge, binge. John, Yeah. all those behaviors, they happen before someone lacks a certain sort of uh, self-control. And when they lack that self-control, that itself is a problem. Because those people will not have time, as Margaret said, to attend to their family issues, to attend to their career programs, to attend to their meetings and other dimensions of their lifestyle. But all their time has been anchored into what they are doing. And also, (coughs) these behaviors, they come with some effect after. For example, someone who does binge eating after they have consumed those heavy portions of food, mm-hmm. they will start to feel shame. They will start to feel disgusted. They will feel embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And as a result, next the time when they're eating, they will want to seclude themselves because they feel some other people are going to attack them. Some other guys are going to observe and consume heavy, large plates of food, yeah. you see? Yeah. so. Also to put a line of uh, distinction between binge eating and bulimia nervosa and, and uh, uh, anorexia. Mm-hmm. With the binge eating, here someone just consumes a lot, just a lot. Binge eating. Binge eating. Yeah. They consume mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. But those people, they are not worried about their body.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. They are
1: not worried about their image. Mm. Their problem is to control their mouth. They eat, they eat excessively, but they are not worried about their image, mm-hmm. about their body. Mm-hmm. They are not really so concerned about adding weight or losing weight. That is why Margaret mentioned that they don't have those now compensatory behaviors, of either purging, of either dieting, of either starving themselves, mm-hmm. of either doing excess exercise they don't do. The only problem with them is that they just don't have the ability to regulate uh, their eating patterns and behaviors. Yeah? And also on a point that uh, Margaret spoke about uh, the causes of these eating disorders. Uh, actually, it can't really be alluded to uh, you know, a very clear cause that these one are the causes for these eating disorders but they are discussed under some risky factors, that there are some things uh, that may create chances for them to develop. One of them is actually stress, the one that you spoke about. Mm-hmm. Margaret spoke about genetics, uh, that uh, you know, a child who is born in a family or people who have a history of eating disorder mm-hmm. stands a very high chance of developing a same disorder than someone who doesn't have that history in the past. Mm -hmm. And also, some of the uh, mental healthy conditions, such as depression, such as anxiety, such as uh, obsessive compulsive disorders, Mm -hmm. also they tend to have some similarities later of uh, eating disorder that evolves after that. But more research, I think, is still being done in these areas to explore more on what could be really some chemical affiliations what the brain could be related to these eating disorders and all that. Yeah, and uh, there's also a very interesting type of uh, eating disorder that is not really very common. Uh, it is called an avoidant eating disorder. Avoidant eating disorder. These are people who avoid some meals on the basis that either they don't like their taste, mm-hmm. their structure, their texture, their smell, their color. They are those people. And, you know, and it's something that most of us could be doing at some level. Yeah. There's a food I can avoid because of this taste. Mm-hmm. But now the question comes how often will I be doing that? See, see, if I avoid a food or a certain color. How often will I be doing that? This was another type of an eating disorder, but not really that common, uh, as in the other ones that we've uh, discussed about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you say that's a
0: general one then? Because you say it's not really common. Is Can you say it's general?
2: No, it is there. It's, it's there. It's actually, when you look at uh, that tool I've mentioned, mm-hmm. it is still there, and some people get diagnosed. It's just that, just like so many, because when you look at that too, Mm -hmm. there are so many mental disorders, but very few are known or very common. Like even if you go to the street or walk out of the gate and ask Mm -hmm. somebody to mention to you three uh, mental disorders that they know, Mm -hmm. mental illnesses. Which are the most common? Most people mention, mention. Depression. Depression.
0: depression. Depression. Yeah, anxiety. Anxiety. anxiety.
2: Yeah, even our own patients, when they come in, when you ask them, they will maybe mention the one they are going through mm-hmm. and it's still not very familiar to them. Oh, you yeah. know. But the DSM has hundreds you know, of these conditions. So even on eating disorders, mm-hmm. this one is there. It's just that it is not highly diagnosable. Mm-hmm. So that if you were to do a study of 10 people, in every like 10 people, we count 10 people from, you know, in this office or even out there. How many will? Lot is maybe even none. Yeah, but they are there. Uh, I think the other one, which could be the last one we could just mention for today speaker. Pika. Pika is the one that uh, Alex had also mentioned the, uh, the non nutritive, you know, uh, feeding, where the person eats uh, things of, which are actually considered a non food because oh. they are not food, oh. in essence, so they don't have a nutritional but, value, okay. but they will indulge in them. Yeah, examples would be like... Stones. Stones. Those ones are common. Stones. Oh, no. people who eat stones. I do, but I didn't think it was in that category. I
0: wouldn't yeah. have guessed. Stones.
2: So <laughs> it falls there, because one, it's non-food, but people, some people indulge on them, oh, yeah. and then it doesn't have a nutritional value. Mm. No, they are meats like where I come from, mm-hmm. like pregnant women, yeah. you them mm-hmm. and say. But now doctors will say they have a, they have a deficit. Is it a calcium or it's a what deficit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need to be put on uh, some supplements. Oh. Others eat soap, mm-hmm. others eat sand. charcoal, sand, sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So it becomes a disorder, but I think also one, it's the, that, the nutritive value, mm-hmm. and then the persistence of it. Oh, persistent. It. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, so,
0: that's so good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I
3: have a question. Yeah. yeah. Can eating disorders be pro- progressive? Like mm-hmm. someone started out with binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. uh, and then when they start recovering, they're mm-hmm. like, so for me to recover, I need to stop eating, yeah. Yeah. then it just progresses into anorexia. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> without bulimia, yeah. and then like, maybe it'll just be easier mm-hmm. if I stop eating. Wow. Yes. So then it just progresses into
2: anorexia. I think there are studies that show that, yeah. one, remember these are chronic illnesses. Yeah. They are not a choice. Even the bulimic person who eats that much. Mm-hmm. It's not a choice. Yeah? It's chronic. Mm, it's chronic, it's progressive. It's also relapsing, you know, like people can get treated or if they can recover on their own. They do the fasting, those intermittent, you know, they work out, you know, you meet them looking very lean and nice, mm-hmm. then you meet them later, you know, having a a lot of weight and all that, yeah. So yeah, they start progressive, there is that relapsing nature, yeah, and I think if you look into most studies, those patterns are very, very possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, oh, that's nice. That was a good question by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just a point on thicker eating Mm -hmm. Mm behavior. You know, uh, what we also need to make uh, our listeners aware is that there are some foods that Alex may consume from his culture that may sound non nutritive in your culture. So even when those diagnoses are done, culture is taken as a factor in this case to understand what is uh, acceptable within my culture's food which probably not be the case in your in your culture mm-hmm. yeah
0: okay <clears throat> okay oh uh, and and on that note can we maybe talk about why it's important why are we doing this awareness mm-hmm. I'd like to point out about the myths and misconceptions, Mm -hmm. but that one I think I'll do it more on the social media platforms, so you can follow us on at CBT Kenya on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. Uh, but maybe for listeners to understand why is it important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why are you talking about
2: eating disorders? You can tell us one myth to attract us to come to social media and (laughs) indulge in more. Because you're saying there are some myths around. Yeah, there eating. has to
0: be myths about around the eating disorders.
1: Mm. One of the common myths that I know mm. is that uh, people say that these are just more of a lifestyle choice rather than an eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not the case. Yeah. Uh, but it is actually very important for us to create this awareness. To let our listeners know that these eating disorders are common and they also happen among esters. And also, on top of that, to let our listeners know that these are chronic uh, illnesses, as my colleague had mentioned, that these are mental disorders that can be managed over time but they cannot be cured. That is why we call them chronic. chronic yeah. uh, the way they some changes in the brain, uh, they cause some changes in uh, the structure of our uh, gene- genetic makeup, mm-hmm. so that's why they even stand a chance even to cause a relapse because of their state as a chronic disease. Mm-hmm. But what is really very important is that most of these eating disorders they actually start in the early, early years of uh, our early development they are most common in adolescents or children who are still in the early days of COVID. So there is more to let, especially the parents, be aware that these are things that can be common in our children. If we not be very careful, we may not really notice them. For example, some of the key areas that can help a parent to notice these changes, uh, when our mothers take us to in hospitals for maybe weight checkups, yeah. for height checkups, mm-hmm. for BMI checkups. Those are very good measurements for percentiles that are taken over a certain duration as given by the doctors, but they are very important in terms of noticing any change in a child. When those changes are noted, even in terms of the height and weight percentile, the BMI, someone is able to start either identifying there's a correlation with an eating disorder, you see. And we're also living in a generation whereby our children are also learning behaviors from us, mm-hmm. from the adults, from the parents. So if we have a parent who has a negative attitude, for example, about his his or image, mm-hmm. the young guys were growing they can start to learn that. They can start to question about themselves. Mm -hmm. They can start to question about their body weight, their body size. And as a result, they also start now to restrict themselves either on diet, either to attain the body size of their parents or maybe to get out of it. So some of these behaviors, at some point, they may start to come out of observational from from what we see from our parents. So that's why I would recommend that it's actually very important for our parents, one, to eat together with their young uh, young children. Why should they do that? When they eat with their young mm-hmm. children, they help their children to learn some of the, uh, of the dining lifestyles mm-hmm. in terms of the, uh, the, uh, the best portions to eat mm-hmm. Uh, the rates of uh, consumption or rather even swallowing the time they take to eat meals after one another all these are things that our children can learn from us when we are dining together mm-hmm. we them, and also keeping trying to accept ourselves more before our children we don't criticize our bodies before our children mm-hmm that one also creates that mentality to them that, oh, at some point you need to accept that you could be having this weight, you could be having this body size, which keeps evolving amongst us. So that awareness is the one that we are putting to our parents so that they are aware of these cases. And when they notice them, they also seek early help. It's something that can be helped through different uh, mechanisms, especially through psychotherapy. and even through medication, research has shown that so that it can can be managed over time as even they move towards uh, maybe their recovery, yeah.
0: Oh, okay, so in a nutshell, the importance is having open conversations and seeking support.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: anything you can add on to that?
2: Mm. No, mine is to agree uh, Mm. that uh, the, on the awareness that we're just trying to create an awareness that one, uh, eating disorders exist, uh, they are a disease, mm-hmm. uh, so they can be diagnosed, they are treatable, uh, even if it sounds uh, more of long term management, but it's indeed possible to manage them either through medication, mm-hmm. uh, psychotherapy, uh, a lot of just. Uh, cognitive uh, restructuring and also a lot of behavioural adjustments. Yeah, with that understanding of behaviour is learned and it can also be unlearned. Mm -hmm. may not be easy because of our chronic nature, but with time and a lot of mindfulness, it is possible for us to readjust some of these patterns that are not helpful and are just creating other problems with self-esteem, medical issues and such like. So to our listeners, just to know there is a lot of hope Mm -hmm. and they support. They support. Yeah, and CBT Kenya is one of the avenues of support, Mm -hmm. yes.
0: So maybe as we wrap up, uh, how can we observe eating disorders and awareness week? One, we've really educated ourselves and we've educated our listeners, but have we shared our experiences? (laughs) <laughs> any experience, any personal experience, mm-hmm. anyone you know who's going through uh, eating disorders?
2: An eating disorder. Mm-hmm.
1: Personally, I don't we, know anyone. could just speak, uh, you know, the binge eating is the most misdiagnosed eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Even in our family sometimes. Mm-hmm. When you consume a lot... We used to get those attacks from our siblings. So it could be a beans eating case, Mm -hmm. uh, but not really on a full criterion of how it is supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. Some other guy just used to do it on the purpose that you have really consumed a lot today. uh, But I can't really say that it was the case. Mm -hmm, Some of us were told at some labels that have ever used maybe that term to someone when I was you know not really cognizant Mm -hmm. of uh, the procedures, that is according to the DSM yeah, and Mm -hmm. also some other people outside they keep speculating on that basis which is not really scientific Mm, I think
2: another way of you know just celebrating Mm -hmm. the month Um, the week yeah the week, yeah, yeah. it's just a lot of compassion Mm -hmm. because I've just even thought about scenarios when you're in a bus Mm-hmm. You know, like the the public buses, oh, the pr- yeah, pr- pr- public, public transport. Bus of transport. Mm-hmm. And somebody comes to sit next oh, to you. That's expensive. You know, a and it's experience. somebody who has you know, uh, you know, uh, heavy weight. Yeah. And uh, I've had, especially where I come from, where conductors would tease them, you know, and tell them, you know, that seat is for two people. Yeah. You know. Because now, when somebody who is it, sometimes sits on a seat, mm-hmm. they're like sitting on they a two seat for two, two people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even the way we just our our mannerisms mm-hmm. around somebody who either is obese or you know uh, has bulimic mm-hmm. uh, um, features. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of staring. There's a lot of you know, oh, a seat to it. to rebuke or to criticize. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think I'm uh, showing a lot of compassion oh, okay. because now we are realizing it's a health issue. It is. It is not a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it could start as if it's, you know, something funny Fun, yeah. or, yeah, but then it becomes problematic. So, let's be kind out here. Yeah? Let's show a lot of <laughs> compassion. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I have an experience.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, you no, know, with my peers in my age group. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, there was this period, you know, everyone wants, you know, that small waist, yeah. tiny mm-hmm. stomach, because yeah. we're all trying to be like, this um, influencer, we mm-hmm. online, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone is like, I want to be like, the Kardashians. Yeah. And like Kylie. Like, exactly. Yeah. And, Kylie, Kylie. Really. Yeah. and you're not putting into your perspective that maybe these pictures are edited, oh. or maybe they've gone through surgery. Because yeah. I remember there was this time, the whole class, you know, everyone is like, okay. So I found out that one of the ways Kim Kardashian lost weight is she mm-hmm. only ate tomatoes yeah. for a week. So you're finding no one is eating. It's only tomatoes and water, or and people are still exercising excessively. We had scales, we had um, the measuring tapes, and everyone is like, my waist went down two mm-hmm. inches, and someone's like, oh, mine hasn't gone down, mine oh, yeah. has added, yeah. and I feel like um. That can easily progress into an eating disorder because mm-hmm. you you want to go to extreme lengths, yeah. you know, to the point of I um, remember this time, and this was like it was happening so much, but at that time it was normal because we had body systems for mm-hmm. okay, we're throwing out no carbs this week, we're only eating fruits, or from Monday to Friday we're not eating. We're doing we're
2: our water fast. Yeah. yeah. For weight or for spiritual reasons? No,
0: for weight. weight loss. For
3: weight loss, because we <laughs> want to look like the Kardashians. <laughs> and at the same time, we're like, okay, we're going to run 20 laps on the field because
2: we're trying to lose weight. Yeah. You're
3: going to faint. Mm. Yes, people were fainting. Yeah. People were not concentrating in class. But mm. at that point, that wasn't. Me failing wasn't a big warning. It was. But I've gone, but my weight has oh, yeah. gone down. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's more important they to do that. The whole, whole point was for you to, to lose weight. Oh, yes. Yeah. So sometimes you're trying, you'll go to extreme measures, mm-hmm. trying to look like these people who mm-hmm. have edited their photos, oh, yeah. or who have the gone surgery. surgery. Yeah. 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 Or it's even their genetics. The they just look
0: like that, magic. but it's their genetics. Mm, that's true, a very, true, very true, good true, experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, and on that note, uh, this has been a good discussion. I've enjoyed it. I've learned so much. Um, any questions, any feedback, you can reach out to us on social media at CBT Kenya. But that's it for now. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.